Would you pay Jason Zucker to go away? Would you do that with anyone on the roster? Well, Ron Hextall has to make that decision today. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. I'm not going to bore you to tears by explaining all the minutiae that's involved in the NHL's buyout process, nor the fact that there are two separate periods for this, nor the fact that the second of those periods began yesterday and ends today, but only for the Penguins because it begins three days after somebody did this or that file for arbitration or whatever. It's there, okay? It's got to happen either today or tomorrow. and. In the NHL's buyout process, for anyone who'd confuse it with the much better known process that the NFL has and gets a lot more attention and publicity, in the NHL there's really not that much in the way of savings. And I'll give you Zucker, obviously, is the example since he's the elephant in this particular room. He's got a cap hit for the coming season, of $5.5 million. It's the last year of his contract. If the Penguins were to buy him out, that would reduce his cap hit for the coming year to just a hair over $2 million. So, of course, you know, simple math tells you they'd have about $3.5 million in additional cap space which can, in a flat cap environment, buy you a whole lot of hockey player, right? Okay, well, there's another variable to put into this, and that's that the remainder of Zucker's cap hit, there would be a second year of it, and that would be $1.7 million next year. And that's where you start really feeling uncomfortable with these sorts of things, is that's how you get stuck with situations like the $1.9 million cap hit that Jack Johnson was carrying, that had everybody still up in arms, even while Jack was raising the cup in the air in Denver. So do you do that? Do you not do that? (sighs) My feeling on this is if the Penguins had someone really significant that they could line up for this $3.5 million uh, extra space, that would come open, then I'd say, hey, you know what? Go for it. But as it is, what you're doing is you're replacing Zucker with a $3 million forward or less, because let's remember that they're currently a little bit over. And let's further remember, as I'll keep reminding everybody, all summer long, Tristan Jari still needs to be extended. Maybe, just maybe, you're better off hanging on to the guy because he's not a bad player. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. The very worst thing about Zucker's season in 2021-22 was the obvious. He missed a ton of time, and he seemed to be 
snake bitten, like almost at a Bo Bennett level, where just different bad things would keep happening to him. And some of those looked way worse than they ended up being, which only magnified that impression. But intangible or not, it also happened. And another part of the reason that we all noticed it and talked about it so much was that when he came back, you could see that this was, in fact, a pretty good player who could fit in easily on the top six. Uh, He wasn't ever going to run up a ton of goals. He hasn't done that really since he came in the trade with the Wild, other than for one small spurt right about the time he showed up. But he's shown an ability to finish. He's done that throughout his career. And when you see a couple of the goals that he scored in the in the flashes that he'd come back, these were goal scorers' goals. They weren't, you know, it went in off his ankle or something. Guy's a pretty good player. Moreover, the guy's probably, probably the best fit to be on the left wing with Evgeny Malkin. And that, I feel, is going to end up being the deciding element, presuming this decision hasn't already been made, and it probably has, in whether or not to buy him out. Because let's remember that Ricard Raquel was signed, and we still don't know, or we can't know, exactly where Raquel is going to play. I happen to think the Penguins would be nuts if they didn't at least try him in a camp setting in a full camp setting and whatever action they can get in the preseason to get him to find some chemistry with Gino, if only so that they can leave Sid's line alone. That's optimal. I'm betting we could all agree on that much, but if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, then you got to remember, as I'm sure anyone listening to this program does, that Raquel and Sid made some really short-term but really impressive magic shortly after Raquel came over from Anaheim. But we're talking just about right-wingers here. And I know Raquel can play both sides, but, you know, you always want your wingers on their normal sides. And what never, or I should say seldom, gets brought up by anybody is who's going to be on that left side because there isn't someone interchangeable over there. Jake and Sid are definitely not getting split up, okay? That's the big breaking news you'll get on this episode today. But you do need someone else there. Danton Heinen's still not back in the fold. Maybe he won't be back in the fold. Coming off 18 goals, almost all of his offense having been produced at even strength, someone somewhere is probably going to sign him, and it's not going to be Pittsburgh. Certainly not at anywhere near the 1.1 million rate that Ron Hextall wisely got him for last summer. So can you buy out Zucker and go and get yourself a slam dunk top six left winger to play with Gino for, what was that figure again? Yeah, like around 3 million? No. And I don't think anyone else is going to get bought out either. Marcus Pedersen is probably the only other realistic candidate, but what ends up happening with Pedersen is if you buy him out and he's got a $4 million cap hit this coming year, and obviously the Penguins still have 700 defensemen on the roster, you would be paying more than a million in cap space for the next six years 
to pull that off. Remember what I said about this being an unforgiving system? Yeah, like that. When we come back, J1Q. Anthony, who asks, what's next for the Pens? Got to be another trade, right? Still have nine defensemen. Who's going to be traded next? Marcus Pedersen, and if you do so, do you try to trade him for a forward or just picks? Well, Anthony, if I knew that, I'd have led the show with that today. In fact, I would have put a great big blaring headline on it on our website and everywhere else. However, I don't think it could be more obvious that you're going to see defensemen, plural, moved out and more invested up front. Now, some of what I'm about to say is speculation, and some of it is more just a matter of tying up various things I've heard from various people within the team. And my feeling is that Whoever it is that you see get moved will be one of the four million lefties. Meaning one of the four million dollar cap hit left-handed defensemen. And those, of course, are Pedersen and Brian Dumoulin. Moving both would leave you a little bit exposed, not excessively. You'd still have 7D, obviously, in the fold. But you've got a couple of them that are just coming into the league in P.O. Joseph. Uh, Ty Smith's not new to the league, but he's somebody that they feel needs a fair amount of work. And then you've got a couple other guys in Chad Ruweedle, Mark Friedman, that this is going to sound mean and I don't intend it to, but they've been seen for a long time as fringe guys. And yes, both of them fared well. This past season, I don't think anybody can take anything away from them. In particular, Ruweedle just really settled into a, a groove as a steady, smart contributor. But one for sure. And I would think that it would be Pedersen as the preference because of the length of his contract and the amount of cap space that he'd free up for you in the future, whereas Dumoulin just has the one year left on his contract. But then also remember that it's not always your decision as the GM of your team. It can be and often is decided by who the other side comes to you and asks you about. So they might be whoever it is looking for someone who's got some championship pedigree, who's been around for a little bit. Uh, that would be Dumoulin. They might be looking for someone who fits into a younger age bracket. That would be Marcus. So you, you get the idea. One way or another, the third and fourth lines, and maybe even left wing on the second line, depending on how they feel about Zucker holding up through an entire season, all of that has to be addressed. And I don't feel it has to be addressed in quantity as much as quality. If you count up the forwards that the Penguins have on NHL contracts, you can pull off a game night lineup. And then when you factor in players who 
will come up from Wilkes-Barre at some point, and they always do, injuries, merit, whatever the case, somebody always comes up. You've got enough in terms of quantity. What you're lacking, and this is where we get back to debating what's uh, the difference between a team that's competitive and one that's contending. When you're contending, you've got yourself at least three lines that you know can go out there and maintain the same type of tempo. Not the same skill level, certainly not the same production. That's virtually unheard of. But at least the same tempo. And if you want me to take you back to something, the last time the Penguins had that, really had that, don't bite my head off when I say this, was just a couple of years ago. You probably thought I was going to bring up HBK or whatever. But that wasn't it. When Teddy Bluger has wingers who fit with him, who work with him, who make that line click and function as a 200-foot entity that just goes back and forth and owns the puck and wins the puck battles, then it's a pretty good situation for the team overall. Now, I can make an argument for you know Brock McGinn being that type of player and McGinn usually ends up in the double digits in goals. But I start getting a little bit spooked when we're talking about that old version of Jeff Carter that we saw over the final two months of last season. And then Kasperi Kapanen is now suddenly a main cog in this engine. And I still don't get that. But the best, easiest answer for that is to come up with some other form of quality put into that group. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow.